Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everybody. We did something uh, that we've never really done here at CCC back in January. We sent a survey to every person in our church, and we asked, what do you want to hear about? What is on your heart? What are the questions that you have about the faith. And it wasn't because we were running out of things to talk about. It wasn't because we're not spirit-led. It was because we really felt like that's what God wanted for our church this month. And one of the questions that you asked for was a sermon about what heaven is going to be like. What is heaven going to be like? So I am very excited to talk about heaven. I don't think we spent enough time talking about heaven, and I think it's going to be an incredible place. So what I want to do is I want to unpack what the Bible says about heaven and what it's going to be like. And I think there's a couple reasons why the afterlife is, we're so curious about the afterlife. I think one of the reasons is because in Ecclesiastes 3.11, the Bible says that God planted eternity in the hearts of man. So I think it's just in us, God put it there to long for something more than just what we have in the here and the now. But I also think we're curious about the afterlife because the mortality rate is still 100%. All of us at some point are going to pass from this life to the next. And we're curious, what is that going to be like? What happens in that moment? And most people I talk to, they have doubts about, is there really an afterlife? Is there really going to be a heaven? If so, what is it going to be like? I mean, what does eternity look like? What does infinity look like with, with, when we have such finite minds? What could it actually look like? And so I did a lot of study on this topic this week, a lot of praying, and I want to talk a little bit about what heaven's not going to be like, as well as what it's going to be like. But I also want you to know that I would be arrogant if I said this is exactly what heaven's going to look like and be like. I've never been there yet. So I'm going on basically what we have in Scripture to look at. But I want to start off with a few questions of what people ask about heaven. In fact, the number one question people have about heaven is this. Will my pets be there? (laughs) Number one question. Not will my spouse be there. Not will my parents, my kids, will my pets be in heaven? Number one question. And it's clear in Scripture that dogs will be there and cats will not. That's just how it is. Um, Just kidding. Just kidding, all you cat people. I love cats. I love them too. But I don't know if pets will be there. I really don't. I know animals will be there. Isaiah talks about how a lion and a lamb will lay down next to each other tame. 
that, that I believe animals will be in heaven. And I happen to personally think, I can't back this up with scripture, but I happen to personally think that God is so good that our pets will be there. At least I hope so. The, another question was, will we be married in heaven? Is there marriage in heaven? And we know the answer is no to this. And in Luke 20, Jesus says plainly, we will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And for some of you in this place, that makes you really sad. For others of you, you're kind of happy and looking forward to heaven. <laughs> we have a marriage conference coming up, March 23rd. Want to encourage you to come on out for that if you just got a little excited that there's no marriage in heaven. But I don't want that to sadden you that there's not going to be marriage because I believe there's going to be something so, I don't even think we've scratched the surface of what emotion, healthy emotions look like. And when we get to heaven, it's going to be so perfect and so amazing. There's going to be something way better and way more emotionally healthy than marriage. And I know we will know our spouses. And so I think there's going to be something really amazing there. Will we have wings in heaven is another question. Like, are we going to have wings like angels? These are, I'm just reading some questions that people ask. This, the Bible says nothing about wings. Now, I personally think it'd be kind of cool to fly around, but no, there is an idea that you can travel quickly in heaven, uh, but wings, there's nothing in scripture like that. Someone else asked, well, will there be any music other than harp music in heaven? Um, I sure hope so, because that would be like my personal hell if there wasn't. So I'm really hoping we have more entertaining music than that. Someone else asked, will there be sports in heaven? I can't answer that question definitively or not. I'm, I'm hoping maybe I could watch a winning football team in heaven, at least, <laughs> since I don't get to see that here on earth. Maybe someday I will. But another question people ask is this, will heaven be boring? That is a question that people cannot kind of wrap their minds around thinking about an eternity in heaven. Like, what are we going to do are we going to be hanging out on the clouds, bored all day, in a never-ending church service? Is that what heaven's going to be like? And I want to tell you, no, that's not what heaven's going to be like. You are not going to be bored in heaven. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning to kind of unpack and show you what the scripture says about heaven and show you how exciting it is going to be someday. So let's jump in. We're going to be reading some scriptures out of 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, we're going to start 1 Thessalonians 4.13. This is written by the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the church in Thessalonica, and he's giving them some hope, and he says this. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. We read this scripture at funeral services a lot because Paul's saying you, you shouldn't grieve like everyone else because you have hope that there's something more. Verse 14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, 
we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So I believe the first thing we're going to experience in heaven is loved ones. And I know some of you have experienced some incredible loss and some pain in this life. And maybe you've got a bad medical report about someone you care about. I want you to know we will experience the people we love again. In fact, it says God will bring them back with him so that we can experience them. It wasn't too long ago, that a couple years ago, that we lost a very dear lady here at our church to cancer. And I remember in her closing moments, she had this hope of heaven. And she had lost a daughter previously. And she said, I just can't wait to see my daughter again. And I just believe one of the first things that, that this scripture is saying is that we are going to see those people that we've lost. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 says, We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. So what Paul's saying here is he's saying, this isn't something that I think. Eternity, the hope of heaven, this isn't something that I'm just kind of explaining to you that I think is gonna happen. I've got a revelation from God himself that you don't have to grieve like everyone else, that you will see people again. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty hopeful. 4.16 goes on to say, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So there's something in this passage that could look a little confusing. In verse 14, it says, God will bring back the believers who have died. So it seems to say that they're already there, they're already with God in heaven. When Jesus comes back, he'll bring them back. And then you see a verse that says, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves when Jesus comes back. So which is it? Are we with God as soon as we pass away, or do we rise when Jesus comes back? Which one is it? Well, I think what Paul is saying here is that when when you pass away from this life to the next, your soul is immediately goes to heaven. Your earthly body goes to the grave. You go to heaven, your soul. And so when Jesus returns, he brings back the souls of everyone who is in heaven and they're reunited. The bodies will raise. And it's not just your old decrepit body that's in that grave. It's a new glorious heavenly body. Come on. Some people should get excited about that. And that's what's going to happen. Because I believe the Bible says to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. That's why I believe the moment you pass away, your soul goes on to be with Christ. So let's dive a little bit deeper into this. Something that most people don't know, in fact, I was kind of unaware of this until I really started diving into this, is that there's two different words for heaven in the New Testament. There's paradise 
And there's what's, what is referred to as the new heaven. Paradise is something that Paul used. He used this word, and Jesus also used this word. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross and he was breathing his last breath, we know that the thief on the cross next to him said, hey, Jesus, will you remember me when you're in your kingdom? And Jesus said what? He said, today, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say you'll be with me in heaven. He said you will be with me in paradise. And when you look up that Greek word for paradise, that literally means like a garden, like a resort-type atmosphere, almost like uh, the original garden was to Adam and Eve. So to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord in paradise And a lot of people think that we're just going to be sitting up in the clouds, up in mansions somewhere, and because there's this verse in the Bible in John, it says, in my father's house there are many mansions. The thing is, that word mansion is only found in the King James Version, and the Greek word is mene, and it doesn't mean mansions, it means temporary lodging place, paradise. It's like a resting resort type of place. It's just an amazing, I mean, you talk about laying on the beach, people who are in Florida posting their Instagram pictures right now, and all of us sitting here are jealous because we're freezing. That's what it's going to be like. This resting type resort, beautiful, tropical place. Paradise. Now, this is not to confuse anyone. This is not the Catholic idea of purgatory. Purgatory is a place of suffering inhabited by the souls of sinners who weren't quite good enough to get to heaven. This is what the Catholic Church believes. And they hold on to this theory that once people are in purgatory, you can pray them out of it. If enough people, if enough saints, if enough Christians pray for these people, they can pray them out of purgatory and into heaven. That's not in Scripture. We don't, we don't hold to that doctrine at all. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about paradise, a heaven, a, a, a temporary place for that people, that Christians, people who know Jesus Christ personally will go to paradise immediately when they die, according to Scripture. But the second place the Bible talks about is what's called a new heaven. A new heaven. And this is where we are eventually going to end up. In fact, in Revelation 21.1, John says this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. So eventually, when Jesus returns, there's going to be a new heaven. And this refers to the colliding of heaven coming down to earth, colliding with earth, burning up all of the bad things on this place, and creating a perfect earth. When heaven collides with earth, it creates a perfect heaven here on earth. That's where we'll be. We're not going to be up in the clouds. We're not going to be floating around with gold harps and wings. That's not where we're going to be. We're going to be living in the best places on earth, but have all the benefits of heaven there. 
We're going to enjoy everything that's on this earth currently. The beach, the mountains, the oceans, some golf courses. Come on, somebody. That's going to be awesome. The streams, birds, animals, people. We'll enjoy it in its perfected state. So I want to give you four biblical truths about heaven. Four biblical truths about heaven. Number one is heaven is a real physical place. A real place. Revelation 21, 16 says, The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. Now that 12,000 stadia in length is 1,400 miles. So it's like a 1,400-mile cube is what they're describing here. And in Revelation 21, 18, the Bible says the walls were made out of jasper and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. So what this is describing is a city in heaven, which is referred to as New Jerusalem. This is not all of heaven. This is going to be a specific, like the capital of heaven, New Jerusalem. And I believe this is going to be the place where Jesus actually resides. And I personally believe it's going to be where Jerusalem is right now. But once again, the best of heaven colliding with earth. So you have this capital city where Jesus himself is going to be where you can go and visit at any time quickly. You can live anywhere in the earth. You can live all over, but you can go and visit this city and sit down, talk with Jesus, go into this holy, beautiful city at any time that you want. I think it's going to be so incredible. So it's a real physical place. The second thing we know about heaven is it's a perfect place. It's a perfect place. Everything's made right. There's no pollution. There's no traffic jams. Come on, no construction on I-75 South anymore. No sickness. No terrorism. It's a perfect place. And we know this because of Revelation 21.4. When... It says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. The old order of being born and dying will pass away and we'll have a new order. No death, no more hospitals, No more cancer, no more crying, no more pain. That old order will be gone and the new order will be here. So it's a perfect place. Also, number three, heaven is a relational place. I don't think, like I said earlier, we have a clue of what real love and commitment actually looks like. But we will. We're going to enjoy so much relationship with family, with friends, but also with God. 
Here's one of my favorite scriptures in Revelation 21.3. It says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. We will be able to spend time with God. Talk to him. Ask him things. Hang out with our creator. You see, God can seem distant sometimes on earth. We're praying for things. We're wondering where he is. But not in heaven. He's going to be right there. You're going to be able to have a real relationship with God, with your family and friends, and with different cultures. I think this is very important. All kinds of cultures are going to be in heaven. And from scripture, we can see that the geographic nations still exist. I want to tell you something. God loves ethnic groups. He loves diversity. He's not like some people are, only like one certain group of people. He loves all cultures. There's going to be so much diversity in heaven. So if you have a problem with that, you better get used to it. And you better do something about it now. There's so many different tribes in heaven. In fact, in, in Revelation 22, 2, the Bible says, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. That word nations is the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnic groups. And every ethnic group will be represented and also every season will be available. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. And all the Michiganders went, oh, really? I can't even escape this in eternity? Don't worry, you'll be able to get out of Dodge whenever you want. But it's not going to be boring. We're going to be talking with different cultures. We're going to be collaborating. I believe we're going to be inventing. We're going to keep doing some cool things together. We think we're, we've been able to do some cool things on earth. Wait till heaven collides with earth. We're going to see some things we never thought were possible. So heaven is a relational place. And number four, heaven's a rewarding place. It's a rewarding place. You see, we all long to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. While you were on earth, you had a revelation of who Jesus was. You were saved by his grace. Nothing you could do on your own. No good works, no good deeds could save you but only what Christ did on the cross can save you. But you received that message in faith. You put your trust in God. You were redeemed. You were filled with the Spirit. And then you went out and did some things for my kingdom. And now I want to reward you for that. 
Revelation 22:12 says, "Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their good deeds." And we don't get into heaven because of good deeds. We don't. But once we come in contact with the revelatory saving grace of Jesus, our response is good works and good deeds. That word uh, reward in the Greek means a repayment for. Every selfless deed that you did on this earth, God is going to remember. Every time you went selflessly and ministered to someone, even though you didn't feel like it, every person who's changing a dirty diaper right now in that nursery. Every usher that's freezing outside in the rain right now to keep us safe. Every mentor who's mentoring middle school and high school and elementary school students right now in this place. Every prayer person who spent time before this service praying and seeking God for this service. Every person who prays with other people here after church. Every time you gave to someone in need, every time you wrote a tithe check and said, God, I pray you would bless it and use it to change the world, every time you got bold enough to share your faith with someone or be a light or represent Jesus or be loving to a person who didn't deserve love, every time, You did something with the faith that you've been given. God's going to remember it. I think the greatest reward of heaven, for me personally, I don't think we're going to be rewarded with greedy stuff and big houses and fancy cars. Maybe we will, I don't know. But I think my, our, our biggest reward is gonna be able to see the domino effect that your life had on other people. That one person that you ministered to who affected this life, who affected this life, who affected this life. You're gonna get there and your reward is gonna be, are you kidding me? That thousands of people were affected by my life? People are actually here in heaven and in it for all of eternity because of me. All I did was visit that guy in the hospital. All I did was show up at a funeral and hug the person who was grieving. I could have done more than that. That's all I did. But all of those things that we do selflessly will be rewarded in heaven. So what we know about heaven is that it's a physical place, it's a perfect place, it's a relational place, and it's a rewarding place. What does that mean for us today? What's the practical spin to that for for us today? Well, we know heaven's real. Heaven and hell are real. They're literal places. 
And what we do in this life matters for eternity. And I think sometimes our, sme- our thinking gets so small. Our focus gets so small. We get so, we just start thinking so much about this earth that we forget about eternity. And I think that today it's time to refocus our lives with eternity in mind. If we know that it's a real place, if we know that we will be there someday, only if you know Jesus Christ, if we know all of these things, that it's real, it's relational, how does that change the way we live today? It should change everything. The Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven, that this isn't our final destination. We need to use everything that we've been blessed with for eternity. One pastor said this, he says, our whole existence on this planet is to find Christ and then to leverage our lives for him your resources, the talent that you've been given by God, every gift that you have, every passion that you have, all the money you make, how can you leverage it for eternity? Because I'm telling you, as I was praying this week and thinking about it, I just, my life just started to get refocused. There's certain things that we make such a big deal about on this earth, they're not that big of a deal. We need to leverage what we have towards making a difference for eternity. Because if you're not careful, you can fall in love with this place, this earth, especially in America, living in the West and the luxuries and the wealth that we have. We can fall in love with all the stuff. We can fall in love with the idea of just making tons of money, having the houses, having the cars, going on the vacations. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with those things. However, when we start thinking about eternity, how can we leverage what we've been blessed with to affect eternity? Because every single one of us has the ability to do that. But it takes us refocusing our lives. It takes us to get out of just this bubble that we're in sometimes with our own family and our own life and what we need and all the money we need and how we're, we can't afford this and we can't do this. There's eternity waiting. And what we do right now matters. Second Corinthians 4, 18 says this. It says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen 
is eternal. I love this idea of heaven. I love what the Bible says about heaven. I can't wait. I think it's going to be an amazing experience. But I also know I want to give everything I got on this life for eternity. I want to be able to say, God, I went after it. I had a passion for you. I had a boldness. You changed my life so much that I couldn't contain it. I couldn't keep it inside anymore. And I had to leverage it. I had to get it out. And I want people to know you. I want others to know that there's an eternity waiting for them, that you offer this amazing free gift, and maybe I'm the only person who can tell them about it. I want my life to be used for your glory in light of eternity. Because this life is a vapor, it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's quick, it happens fast. What can we do in this time that we have on earth that can affect eternity? So in closing, there's just two things I want you to think about. Number one is this. I want everyone to take a minute to just reflect on your own relationship with God. Just think about it. Where are you at? Where are you at with God right now? Maybe there was a time where you were passionate about God. When you read his word, you sought his face, you spent time in worship, you couldn't wait to get to church. You were hungry for God and everywhere you went, it just kind of spilled out of you. How do you get back there? Where are you at with it? Just take a few moments to reflect. This is not condemning. This is just a good practice to do every once in a while. God, how am I doing? How are we? Are we connected? Are you having intimate moments with God? Are you being led by his spirit? Is he leading you to do things with your life? Or does that become like the furthest thing from your mind? Just reflect on that for a minute. The second thing I want you to do is renew that relationship today. No matter what you reflected on, no matter where it is, make renewing your relationship with God a priority. For some of you, that's going to that's gonna entail some counseling and inner healing. Because some of you have been wounded by people, maybe by the church. You've been wounded. Maybe you don't feel like God has come through for you. Maybe God didn't answer prayer. You've been hurt. You've experienced loss. You've experienced pain. You, your first step is to get your soul healed and restored 
talk to a Christian counselor, go through an inner healing. We have an inner healing life group you can go through. Maybe that's what you need. Others of you, it's just, you've just kind of become apathetic. Maybe doubt has crept in your mind about eternity or, or maybe it's just out of sight, out of mind. But it's a good time to say, God, I want that passion for you again. I want that fire. I want to be used by you. You put dreams in my heart. I want a dream in my heart for eternity. I want a dream in my heart for the future. I want to be used by you. Help me to be used by you. So I want everyone to shut their eyes right now. And if you're a Christian in this place, I want you to just reflect on those two things. But if you're not, maybe you're in this place right now and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've been a good person, but you've never fully surrendered your life to Christ. And you hear about heaven, you say, I want to know that I'm going someday. I want to be part of heaven. How do I know that I know that I'm going to be there? If that's you, I want to let you know we can make that happen today. Today. So if you're in this place today, and maybe you've been way far away from God, or maybe you've never put your faith in him, if you're in either one of those categories, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Far from God? Thank you. Anyone else? Far from God or I don't know God and I want to know him. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put it right back down. Anyone else? I'd like everybody in this place to repeat this prayer after me, along with those people who raised their hands. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I confess my sin to you. I repent and I put my faith in you today. Thank you for saving me by your grace alone. I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead me from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everyone to stand with me. I want this last song that we're about to sing. I want us to picture eternity while we sing it. I don't want you to feel convicted or condemned in this place right now. What I want you to do is worship like you believe in eternity. Let's sing this song together. 
Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.